Welcome back to Familiar Strangers. It's Friday, April 30th. Uh, I'm currently sitting in Seoul, South Korea with Becky, and we decided that we're going to record a podcast finally. We've been really busy the last couple weeks, and we have a five-hour layover before we leave from Seoul to go back to the United States, so we decided now's the perfect time. It's like 6 a.m. here uh in Seoul which is 12 13 hours ahead of Michigan so we're going to be changing time zones here quite a few times uh but our first flight went smooth and we're excited to that our next flight will take us back to the red white and blue so with that being said hello Becky hello shout out to Pernetics for a great fast rapid covid test shout out we've had some trouble with that in the past so there you go there's a recommendation not sponsored ad some fun facts about korea it's the home of k-dramas k-pop and uh i'm not going to do the third k for some (laughs) some political reasons but you know um yeah so how are you feeling josh You, you feeling a little dazed and confused i know that i am right now like when you don't really sleep, you kind of just put your head on your shoulder on the plane, and then the flight attendant just keeps waking you up for dumb reasons. You can't really sleep that well. Or you watch, literally watch somebody go into the bathroom, and then the lady opens the bathroom door for you, and then as you go to walk in, she's like, no, you can't go in the bathroom right now. The seatbelt sign is on. I was like, you just opened the door for me. <laughs> Anyways, moving on. It was great. We passed our COVID test. It was much easier this time around than when we were in the States. Uh, just a tip if you're getting a COVID test and you're traveling somewhere, make sure that they have your name spelled correctly or also with your middle name included and not just in an initial. And if all else fails, get some really good Photoshop skills. Yeah, we found that out after the fact. We were too stressed in the moment when we tried to come back here and they didn't let us on the plane in San Francisco to go back to Hong Kong because we didn't. Ha- it only had our middle initials and not our full middle name. And then, which for me is one letter. One letter was the reason I couldn't get on a plane. It's a real big bummer. And then we found out later from another one of our friends that he just he had the same issue coming back to Hong Kong and he went into the bathroom and photoshopped it and they let him on. <laughs> Shout out. Oh, wait, I'm not going to tell you his name, just mm-hmm. in case if China is listening. Yeah, I still have a Chinese phone in my bag, so I don't want to say anything and out him. Anyways, we uh, asked for some questions about Hong Kong, and we got a lot of really great responses. Uh, we have been kind of talking this week just about how weird it feels that we're leaving, and we're sad to be leaving, but probably more excited to be going back to the states where we can actually travel and move around and see our families again Uh, whereas hong kong is an amazing place and there's so many different things to do right within a short amount of of time or a short distance but you're kind of stuck in hong kong and not being able to go anywhere else if you can kind of picture being stuck in manhattan that's kind of what i would compare it to it's like it seems great in the moment because you rarely have the chance to just kind of like explore everything there but then you know with restrictions not everything is open there's basically a glorified curfew 
So after a while, it just feels very claustrophobic. Not to put it down in any way, because we had the best time that we, we could there. Um, but yeah, I would just compare it to kind of being stuck in like Manhattan for an extended amount of time. Yeah, never felt like super claustrophobic. Just felt really, I don't know, just kind of yeah. stuck. <laughs> I just felt always stuck. I was just like, uh just there's no like end in sight it felt like so i would say for the first question one that came up on instagram and facebook was something like what was your favorite part about living there what will you miss the most i kind of think of that as like the same question um there's a lot of things that i really enjoyed about living in hong kong but i guess becky what's one thing that you'll miss or was one of your favorite things about living there I have a few. So my first year living there, I would have definitely said the airport and the proximity to a lot of really unique and different places. The airport is probably one of the best and most convenient in the whole world. Um, they actually have a train station where you can drop off your checked bags before you even go to the airport. So you never have to go through that line of like dropping your checked bags and it taking forever. You completely avoid that. Um, so just like the ease of in and out of travel through there before COVID was absolutely amazing. Um, and I was traveling maybe every few weeks and it was just incredible. I think another thing that we both really enjoy is the safety. Um, for example, SF Express is kind of like the, the UPS or the local FedEx. And one of their like loading and packing stations is on a pretty busy road, Queens Road Central. And they can just put their packages on the ground and just like all over the street and nobody would ever steal them or touch them. Yeah, they literally just pile them up. Insane. Everywhere. Yeah, you never, you just never feel unsafe in any way. You, you literally have to take dark, weird alleys to, to kind of like get, to where you want to go sometimes just because of the way the city's kind of laid out and you never feel like somebody's going to creep out of the shadows and jump you or something yeah i feel i f that's what i really like the i felt like it was always safe i do know just from speaking to other people that there's not like there's places where they feel really uncomfortable like um one of my friends who's from indonesia she said that she would in in area certain areas like mancock or mm -hmm. tst like just as as an Indian girl, she would never be by herself and wouldn't go there. And that's true. Um, that area has a lot of interesting history. Um, there's a lot of kind of hidden brothels and things like that that's in that area. It's kind of... The triads. Yeah, the, the local um, mafia, we'll say, the, the triads are kind of localized in that area and also other parts of like new territories so that's kind of the i would agree that's the one area it's kind of a, a bit sketchy and tst is also notoriously pretty touristy so i could see with those two being right next to each other people kind of playing prey and predator yeah but i'd say in in general overall like in terms of uh, a city that's kind of under communist rule like it's very safe like with communism comes safety and i felt like that was always true like as a as a whole the population it was you're pretty safe most places you go and 
and I really like that safety, but it's interesting going to be moving back to the states where it's like walking the streets is not as safe, but in terms of government control, you're much safer. So um, we were actually talking to our moving supervisor. His name is Ringo. Shout out, Ringo. You rule. Um, we had an interesting conversation about the different types of freedoms and feeling safe. So as much as the United States may not be safe, uh, like in some areas, let's say Baltimore or Detroit or south side of Chicago, um, in a separate way, our government isn't, we don't fear um, in the same way our government does here. He had an interesting joke where he said none of the local people in Hong Kong smile anymore. They used to be such smile people and they don't smile anymore. The only person that continues to smile is Carrie Lam, who is the local leader who is in cahoots with uh, the leader of China. So it's just really interesting how our values seem so different, but they're actually very much the same. But also nobody's perfect in that sense either. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, one of my favorite parts, like you talked about like the ease of traveling from the airport to and from places how easy it was i liked that's one thing i really miss is the public transportation I, I know i've talked about that previously just how many different choices there are another thing that i really miss i know that came up one of the questions was what are you what was your favorite food that you found what you know all that kind of stuff that's one thing i'll really miss so i think with that being said we ate at one of our favorite restaurants called Yardbird uh with our friends uh right before we left and it was a great finish to hong kong and all the different places that we have eaten uh wasn't yardbird was that he's originally canadian Where is, where's he from matt is uh great question i think matt is american and then his girl that um kind of runs it with him she's part japanese and she might be part canadian i think that's how it is but um, they were actually featured on one of Anthony Bourdain's TV shows. That's how I first heard about the restaurant. So every time we've met the, the owner so many times and every time I, I feel really starstruck, I'm like, wow, you probably had Anthony Bourdain's phone number. So that's pretty sick. But just in addition to what Josh said, the international food there in Hong Kong in general is phenomenal. Someone asked me the other day, what's my favorite Hong Kong local food um and i said hands down egg waffle which is kind of hard to explain but i would say the favorite flavor is probably banana chocolate chip um it's just like a it's just like a, a waffle but rather than having just like little indents it has like little shells that you put the toppings inside of and cook they it. look like eggs but just the international food scene there is amazing there's phenomenal uh, Vietnamese food there's really great Thai food there's great Japanese food um, but then on the flip side if you're looking for American style barbecue or pizza or any kind of Mexican food or tacos it, the choices are not so good there are choices but they're not maybe what American tastes would prefer yeah definitely I've said the whole time that we've been there that if somebody if a couple more people could do really good tacos, I think you could easily make a uh, good living off of it. 
That's absolutely for sure. But we've said before, too, it's some of the cuisines, you really need good local ingredients in order to make it really well. And that's one of the things that they just don't have. And they probably don't have somebody to import some of that. Kind and then, like, one thing I really liked about, uh, like, living there is I tried a lot more, I drank a lot more cocktails just because the beer selection is pretty shit yeah pretty shit so i drank a lot of different cocktails uh at yardbird we went and had some whiskey lemonades which are absolutely amazing so they're made with a really nice japanese whiskey and brown sugar there's a little bit of molasses in it and then um fresh pressed lemon juice um and yeah i'm probably missing something so James sent us a comment with the with the recipe so we can make it when we get back to the states. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely one of our favorite cocktails. Yeah, for sure. I think in terms of food, I I got to try a lot of different cuisines that I've never tried before and I think my favorite cuisine that I didn't really have before was Vietnamese food. It just is fresh and delicious and I Shout out to James as well on Black Sheep Restaurants. We really liked uh, La Saigon. Yeah, La Saigon, Garçon, something like that. Um, It's in the Wan Chai district. And they do, uh, their one kind of like main specialty is the build your own rice roll wrappers. So you kind of pick whatever protein that you want. And then they bring out all the accoutrements. And then you can basically, it's like making your own tacos, only like a Vietnamese version. And it's phenomenal. Another place we really like is called Samson, and that is Thai street food. And even through COVID, that place was packed every single Mm. night. There's always a queue. There's always a line, um, no matter what. And there's two locations for it. And they both have, like, slightly different cuisine, but some of the the dishes overlap. But, um, yeah, it's just very unique food, and it's consistently really delicious yeah i think my top two were vietnamese and then also middle eastern food is shout out to maison lebanese and also badu both of those places were and mama maloof that was another place we really liked Mm -hmm. that was which is middle eastern great dips i don't know why after having that kind of like that food i'm just like oh it's changed my perspective on what we eat like in america and how good like some of these vegetables can be can be if you prepare them right and how many different dips there are that are just like way better than Velveeta cheese and salsa. It makes the Sabra hummus that's in Walmart taste like dog food to you after that. Yeah, I know. I think that like hummus, uh, most people like myself who didn't really eat hummus. Yeah. Why would I? I mean, that shit's nasty. Then I had actual like fresh hummus that's you can eat a gallon tub of it no problem mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so it's so good yeah things that are just made with really really great ingredients with people that care about what they're doing it really it makes all the difference for sure yeah i agree i like this question what's a uh, lifestyle necessity in hong kong that you'll implement when move back moving back to the united states i'll, I'll start i know what i i know mine good. <laughs> one one necessity that i think uh I don't envision myself stopping is using chopsticks. I really, really like using chopsticks now. 
it just makes a lot more sense for a lot of different foods that you eat like trying to stab some foods it's just like what and you can just once you get um efficient at using chopsticks it's, it's like having extended fingers it's like eating with your fingers extended so i think that's we bought well not we you bought a nice set for us before we left so we'll have some chopsticks at our at our new at our new apartment so if you ever come to visit us then we'll give you a i'll give you a <laughs> chopstick tutorial i i agree now that you say that one that's going to stick out in my head but also um America, let's institute the two-hour lunch break that happens here in Asia. At first, I thought it was really, really excessive, but then when you work from home, a two-hour lunch break can be kind of amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I had a two-hour lunch break, too, and the amount of things that you can do in the middle of the day, it just really breaks up your day and then makes you... It gives you a reset. It gives you a reset. It doesn't really make me more motivated for the job I was working because I didn't, uh, you know... I wasn't in love with my job, but it made it bearable to go there every day knowing, oh, I only have to make it two hours until I get two hours off. Yeah, that on the flip side of that, too. I feel like if you're in an office and you have a commute, a two-hour lunch break seems a little ridiculous. It just, like, takes away time that you have at home with your family or doing other things. Um, So it just kind of depends. Depends on your individual situation, for sure. Yeah, I agree. So one of the questions we also got on on Facebook was like, j- well, question slash statement is just talking about kind of day to day life and your work week and work environment and language barrier. In my work week, I love I loved my work week. It was amazing because I didn't start work until ten a.m. and then at noon I got a two hour lunch break. So from twelve to two I was off, and then I worked from two to six, and then I was done. And I commuted every day uh, via train, usually, and sometimes the bus. Uh, but it was usually like a 40-minute train ride. I had to change over a couple times, and, or a couple times, one time. Uh, but I enjoyed the walk, especially in the morning. It was always a refreshing way to kind of start the day rather than wake up and 10, min- 10 minutes after you leave, or you leave your house and you're sitting in a car for an hour like I had to do before. I didn't miss the, that kind of lifestyle. Um, so I got to explore both towns, well, both parts of the city that I worked in. Uh, one was called Chingyi and one was called Chunwan, which are both like new territories. So pretty much when you're not from Hong Kong, you're already in the minority, but when you go out to like new territories and you're like, you're narrowing it down even more, you're like in the 1% of 0.01% maybe, uh, but it was always really fun. I never felt like I couldn't do things when I was there. Of course, there was a language barrier in some places, but as long as they had either pictures or an English menu, which is pretty much, it it is the second language in Hong Kong, then it was pretty easy to get around. And people are usually typically helpful if, if you, if you look kind of lost or you need help, they're, they're willing to kind of point you in the right direction if they can help. Yeah, I would say Hong Kong, out of all the countries that I've been to, is the most adaptable for English speakers, just because so many people, that's the language that they learn in school. They learn dual, triple, quad languages. Um, some of the more third world countries, like uh, like a Vietnam or let's say like a Cambodia, Indonesia, unless if you're in like a really touristy area, you're not going to find much English. Um, 
So one of the things I learned right away was how to use the Google Translate app and use it well because there are some times when you, you aren't going to be able to understand what that person's saying or vice versa, even, even with all the body language and pointing in the world. Um, but it, it can be helpful and sometimes those people don't realize that that app exists and then you type something and then you hand, you hand your phone over to them and they read it and they're like, oh my gosh, this, this is what I've been trying to say, like we're communicating. So that was a really handy tip um, just for like the language barrier. Do you feel like when you, when you first got there, I know you've lived a few different places, but do you feel like you experienced culture shock or did you feel like you settled in pretty quick and it wasn't really much of a problem for you? I don't know about culture shock. I was just really scared when I first got there because I was by myself in a completely foreign country. It was the middle of the night when I arrived at the airport. Like I was, like I said, I was by myself. Um, my phone did not work over there. It took, it took a while for it to kind of like adjust over. So that was kind of scary because you don't have, you don't have help. You don't have communication. You have to rely on, you know, an email piece of paper that tells you directions, how to get around the airport and like where to go. Um, yeah. And then I just remember when I finally got to my apartment after, you know, basically 24 hours of travel, it was like a huge sigh of relief. It was a huge sigh of relief, but it's just, it takes time to get used to any new area. Um, and then with it just being another country, first I, I, I kind of felt like a fish out of water because you immediately become the minority. You are the only one that's like you around there. Um, so it can, it can feel a little weird. It can feel a little bit intimidating at first but it's the people are so nice there it's not an issue at all there's so many people willing to just help you out yeah i never felt i never felt weird about being like a minority or anything like that i never it was i always felt like people <laughs> i always felt like white privilege was always even a thing here it was just like people it's it's different it's not like an american but like i definitely think they're there is some similarities there i i don't maybe i've just experienced more of it than josh but um there have been multiple times where i have been to a place where i've been to multiple times or um like i i've taken the macau ferry many times many times and there have been a few times that i've gone through and it's basically it's similar to an airport process, but not really. They basically just like stamp you at like an immigration desk yeah, yeah, and then you, the you, you know, walk to a, a boat dock and just get on. Um, but there've been people that are clearly Asian or look local and nobody's ever gotten stopped. And I get stopped and they check my passport and ask me what I'm doing there every single time. <laughs> so it just makes you kind of feel like a terrorist, but it puts you in those shoes of like, anybody else traveling to any other foreign country and kind of feeling a little bit singled out like you you immediately feel how that feels so in a way it's kind of an interesting experience to have that I I personally like to know how other people's shoes kind of feel so it's it's interesting in that way 
Yeah, it is. It is. I I never uh, kind of going back to. I never felt like I would call it culture shock, but I think I would just be. I would just call it shocked in in general. I went from living in a place and in, in places that were very rural and country to Asia's world city. <laughs> so it was like uh take your world and flip it upside down and, and see what happens i'm thinking felt- back now like having left there how comfortable i was living there versus how uncomfortable i was when i first got there just learning all the different processes like how to pay for things like what's the prices of things like how to do the math in your head so that you know how much shit cost uh you know going to all these new restaurants like what the fuck am i supposed to order i don't i've never ordered any of these things and I know that was really frustrating for me at first, like, just trying to to find my own way and just, I got frustrated a lot, so obviously I thank you a lot for your patience, I got a lot, I got frustrated quite often, but I, I always said to you, I was like, I'll get there, I just need some time to figure this shit out, and then once I figured it out, it was like, oh my god, like this, you know, it's an amazing place to live, and I never felt not speaking the the native language was a a problem or a barrier for you just because like you said so many people speak multiple languages uh one of the questions was did we ha- pick up any of the local language which is cantonese they speak cantonese which is like um a form of a form of chinese but would you say it's like a dialect type situation no they actually have well sort of that is yeah sort of so in mandarin they have four tones and then in Cantonese, they have nine tones. So basically, like you're saying the same phrase almost, but it's the way you say it and how you raise and lower your voice. Um, so it's much more complicated to learn Cantonese. Yeah, it's very difficult. Anytime I was working with students, I worked mainly with younger students, and they always had fun trying to teach me to say words. And I'd say it back to them 20 times and they'd be like nope you're not saying it right nope you're, you're saying it <laughs> you're not pretty much not saying it in the right tone or i'm just like my tongue does not make that sound just like something i always laughed at is like th is such a hard sound for asian people just because you don't have that everything is like very crisp and it always sounds like people are angry at you when they're talking to you yeah. in cantonese so like if they try to say a th it's always like tings or thank you <laughs> it's so funny I think the very first phrase that I learned was Josan just because I was I was always at work in the morning like one of the first people and it was like me and the cleaning lady and the cleaning lady speaks like no English at all and she she would say that to me every single morning Josan Josan and uh which means good morning good morning yes it means good morning so when I finally figured that out it was like all right that was that was obvious yeah yeah (laughs) Other things, like little easy ones, Leho. Leho is like pretty much like our version of saying like, how are you? Like, hello, how are you? From what I understand. My favorite my favorite words to learn, though, were how to say goodbye in, in Cantonese. Uh, I thought, you know, man, I'd really like to pick up some of the local language. And like saying hello and goodbye is like a really, a really um, great tool to have just to be able to be cordial with other people. So... I really liked the the saying for goodbye. Do you remember it, Becky? Oh yeah. It's a, well, I use the slang term. I use the less formal version of goodbye and it's bye-bye. <laughs> and that is not even being funny. That is how you say it. <laughs> bye-bye. 
So I enjoy telling people bye. Um, another one that I learned from a coworker is a Happy Friday, which is Hoi Sam Sin Keum. Hoi Sam Sin Keum. So, Happy Friday. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah, they, yeah, saying bye bye. That's not just to be <laughs> to be a dumbass. That's literally just how they say goodbye. Bye bye. Bye bye, Mister Josh. <laughs> they say it like ten times too. Sometimes. Uh, my favorite. Um, shout out to <laughs> my friend Naomi. She taught me some slang, some bad slang, like uh, "do lay lo, do mo," which means "fuck your mother," pretty much. And she also taught me sexy, which means eat shit and die. <laughs> so very useful pieces of the language. We're very sorry, locals. I never I never actually got to use them. I heard other people say do lay mo though before. Do uh you? no, no. One time at a comedy show and one time uh somebody was talking about speaking to the cops and in Cantonese and oh. that's what they would say. We also learned at a comedy show that Batman is eight. Eight. <laughs> yeah. The kids taught me one to ten, and I don't remember any of them, so I apologize. But <laughs> they taught me they taught me numbers. They would teach me how to say their names because w- how they say their names, like we say our given name, then our family name. So, like Josh Fritch, but they say their family name first. So it would be like if my name, like my name, Joshua Jason Fritch, it'd be like my name is Fritch Joshua Jason. On uh, jumping off of this onto names, so the culture here is really interesting. So you have your traditional Chinese name, and then when you go into basically like your version of kindergarten, you get to pick your English name. And all the families are different. Like some parents choose their kids' names. Some families even hire a service to choose their English name. That way it's an appropriate name. Um... But it's really interesting some of the variety of English names that have been that we have heard. Uh, so, Josh, what is your favorite English name that you have heard here? I don't know. There's so many weird ones. Spider Boy. I've talked about that one before. Spider Boy was probably one of the funniest, just because I couldn't believe it. I thought he was just like kind of bullshitting me, and then I asked our secretary to ask his mom because his mom didn't speak English. I was like, "Can you ask her?" what his English name is, and and the mom was like, oh, well, we haven't actually chosen one, so we just kind of let him pick, and he chose Spider Boy, because it's like some TV, some bullshit TV show he likes, so his name was Spider Boy, and at any time, like, he, like, new kids would join the class, be like, oh, this is Spider Boy, and they'd be like, what, Spider Boy? I was like, yeah, when he grows up, he's gonna be Spider Man. <laughs> So I don't know if this one is true, but we heard from a comedian who also used to teach in China a few of the English names that he came across, and he said some of them that he came across were Hitler and Dildo, or some of the kids that he had in his class. So if that is true, that's hilarious. Um, another group of favorites is the round of stripper names that are chosen here, Cookie, Candy, Sugar, Rainbow. Um, Yeah, if there's a stripper name, it's been chosen here. And then it's funny because all of the men kind of pick the same five generic white names. John, Stephen, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know. I just find that whole culture of like having two different versions of your name and just kind of choosing it 
really interesting. Um, like my coworker, shout out Winnie. Um, she told me how when she was little, she got to pick her name and she loved Winnie the Pooh. Like she loved, she loved that. And so that's how she picked her English name, which is a really cute, really cute name. And it suits her. It suits her well. But it's just interesting because I think of how American child culture is. And when we had that conversation, it was when, um, Frozen was huge, so I'm like, oh my gosh, can you imagine if all the little girls got to pick their names? There would be like five million Elsas mm-hmm. in one year. Mm-hmm. What would you pick for your English name if you had to, not now as like a the age that you're at now, but if you picked your name when you were, let's say, six or seven years old, what do you think you would have picked? Oh, at six or seven? Yeah. Um... I, th- I don't know. I was really into the Rugrats when I was little. So maybe Lillian or something like that. That would have been cool. I think... Um, Dylan Lil. Yeah, Dylan Lil. Chucky. I think my hair is kind of like Chucky. Chaz. Yeah, your hair is like Chucky's. <laughs> <laughs> Chaz Maz Razzleson. That's a good name. Um, Anthony Kiedis, but all one word, no spaces. Yeah. Let's see. Captain Underpants. Yeah. I would have thought that was hilarious when I was little. Yeah. What about I, you? I don't know. I probably would have picked, like, Otto for Otto Rocket from Rocket Power. You have any funny ones? Um, I was a huge Barney fan when I was really little. Maybe I would have picked Barney. Were there any words that you thought were funny when you were little? Did I can't you? remember, but I still think fart's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just funny how some of those words you learn them in used to laugh like you did when you were little yeah. now when you hear them i had this kid uh named this kind of thinking of otto i had this kid named otten and he was like a little chubby he but he was never like i never thought like oh this kid is super super fat but he was he always would tell me like oh my dad's so fat i'm fat too <laughs> and i'm like otten you know how to talk about yourself like that and he's like i'm fat and he pulled his shirt up and start rubbing his belly the kid always had bad gas, so he'd always be ripping big farts. And he'd, like, rip a huge fart. Like, clearly I can hear it. And he'd be like, every time he'd be like, I farted. <laughs> no kidding. Oh, wow. So here's a question. What is your, one of your favorite places that you've been to in Hong Kong or, like, one of your favorite experiences? Um, so my favorite place, hands down, is probably an unexpected favorite, unless you know me really well. And that is Amazonia Bar. So there's two of the best bands, I would say, probably easily like the best in Hong Kong. But I mean, they would be cover par. In terms of cover, they're bands. definitely cover bands. I'm not sure what an original song I would don't sound think like. Original, yeah, but, definitely not original English. Um, so there's songs. the opening band is Icebox, and these guys have been at Amazonia probably most of their entire lives, and they're a little bit older now. But I mean, they hit they know everything like they they just take requests all night and no joke they they kill it and everything from um i mean their their specialty is classic rock but i mean they took on lincoln park they do red hot chili peppers africa. Uh, africa by toto is our all-time favorite just because they make the animal sounds and it sounds like the jungle in there it's very very cool but there were some some assholes that came in there and were trying to like you know one-up them and prove that they couldn't do any request and so they requested dolly parton and they crushed islands in the stream crushed it it was absolutely phenomenal and so the follow-up band and what happens is it's like 
Icebox will do a set and then the second band will do a set and they kind of take turns all night because it doesn't close until what, 4 or 5 a.m.? Yeah, they start at like 8, 8 p.m. and then they pretty much play all night because they're in the Wan Chai district, which is like kind of a big bar and club area where there's a lot of like uh, strip clubs, sex worker clubs and like... That's a f- kind of a fun fact about Amazonia. Anytime we told people, like, oh, we really like it because we love the music there, they're always like, oh, Amazonia. Like, that's a grungy place to go because there's always, like, girls in there working and stuff. But I never felt like it was not weird to be in there. It was like if you like good good cover band music, which we enjoyed, uh, it was never a big deal. But I really liked Rapunzel as well. Uh I kind of fluctuated back and forth between which of the two I liked the best, but we were kind of regulars every weekend, like every Friday or Saturday we'd go in there, sometimes both nights, uh, especially when like the protests happened and then and then COVID hit. It just wasn't as busy as it normally would be, so we became really recognizable mainly because of you. Anywhere we go, you're recognizable with your blonde hair. Uh, it started to get like they wouldn't even ask us our names he would just start calling me by like whatever band t-shirt i was wearing that day so he'd be like oh what's up guns and roses what's up acdc uh what's up Def leopard um and then they would just they just got to know us and i got to know our music tastes and so we didn't even have to request, request. songs <laughs> at some point he would just start mixing it up it was phenomenal yeah. But Rapunzel, the second band, they're a bit younger. And so they kind of play more of the next generation of, of rock. But they have they have a girl singer, and she's kind of like a punk version of Joss Stone in her voice. She's just a badass bitch and um, amazing. And then they also have a male singer who does incredible Rage Against the Machine stained he just has a really gritty powerful voice and it's they're they're a really really fun group to watch yeah i always i always enjoyed going there was uh we had a lot of good times and and uh that became really cool that we didn't have to request music you'd just be like oh i'm I'm gonna play some guns and roses for my friends over here next and even when the bar was busy and um the lead singer of icebox bought us a beer multiple times and it was just it was a really cool spot to hang out in terms of for music. Obviously, we were never in there for all the other extracurriculars, but um, in terms of music, I thought it was a, a awesome spot. Here's a great story from Amazonia. So a lot of the expats come there and they just get absolutely shit faced, and then they just basically like buy these women, like buy their time to like hang out with them and then do whatever happens in the bathroom. I don't know. Um, but there was one particular guy who was with this chick in the bar and he was so trashed. He was so trashed. And we look over at some point and there is a whole group of these women who are the workers there and he bought them all dinner. His friends came in and like tried to save him and tried to like pull him away and he was so drunk he kind of wasn't having it. And then the bouncer and, uh, basically like the bartender was like the bartender were like um nope you have to pay their bill <laughs> and so all the ladies look up and they're smiling and waving with the kind of like dude we got you but oh yeah they got him they had many drinks before that and then they had a whole table of food it was it was uh it was hilarious his credit card got maxed out that night for sure yeah yeah it's just kind of gross because it's like an old white dude hangout spot too like just all these old white businessmen that probably have wives but they still come in there anyways it's just yeah 
kind of a Wan Chai is kind of known for that though. I have so many amazing, amazing videos of like old dudes or just kind of like very interesting people just feeling the dance floor. Uh, there was one particular guy that he rocked the dance movie Invisible Hula Hoop and he just like pretended that he had a hula hoop and just, you know, mm-hmm. hip, hip thrusted it out. It was, it was awkward. It's wonderful. Have any other questions from the people? One person asked, would you ever go back to Hong Kong? Of course. I think it's an incredible city, and I think that um, maybe it's gotten a little bit of a bad rap in the past couple of years, just with the protesting and with with COVID and with the China situations and things like that. But I think that it's such a cool, unique city. It's un- unreal. It's like any... It's like nowhere else in the world. We like to call it an urban jungle because it really is. The island itself is 70% uninhabited, even though it's like one of the most populated cities in the world. Like you can, you can take 10 minutes outside of town, like on a on a hike, and just be on this green jungle in the mountains, overlooking everything. It's it's insane. I yeah, recommend. you could be on a trail where there's like. <laughs> Monkeys. Like monkeys, vipers, pigs, and then you look down, and you see skyscrapers. It was like last yesterday before um, we left, we um, hiked to the peak, which is one of the tallest spots on Hong Kong Island, or one of the highest highest spots. And uh, just standing up there every time is just amazing. Anytime you can look down on the city and you can see everything, but you're also in wildlife at the same time, and it's quieter up there and at the same time, it always made me always made me feel like I wish <laughs> the city wasn't so big. I wish that it was more green. I wonder what it, the wildlife would be, always be like without it, and what the water would be like, and without without just the insanity, the vast amount of buildings and people. If you want to see how much Hong Kong has changed, there's a great Instagram handle called Old HK in Color, mm-hmm. and basically they take old photos and then they. They color them up, and then they also show you what that area looks like now, in the modern in the modern world. So it's like what it looked like before it kind of became this urban metropolis that it is. It's really fun, a, a really fun set of cool images. Yeah, because I feel like old Hong Kong is isn't. When you look at those pictures, you realize like how much it's changed, even in such a short amount of time, and like with i feel like with china taking over more and the city growing it's like all of those things like they want to kind of china wants to forget the past that it was under british rule before and like all those buildings and everything that were once like super beautiful is just like are no longer so i always enjoy looking at that account because it's like oh this is what it would have been like if you were here in the 50s or the 40s or the 70s or even the 90s and how much different how, how fast it grew it's just it's phenomenal to, to see the transformation in a short amount of time i also think something that i'll really miss that we kind of talked about right before we left we had a really cool um apartment uh we had a in terms of hong kong we had quite a bit of space it had two stories our bedroom was upstairs and it's just pretty much a bedroom and a closet upstairs but we had a balcony off that and it looked at looked down kind of at our street which was hollywood road which was i always thought was really interesting that you lived on hollywood road just kind of given 
who you are as a person. I was like, oh, this seems pretty fitting. Yeah, it made me feel at home immediately because I used to live in Hollywood, right off Hollywood Boulevard on Wilcox Avenue. So it was immediately like, okay, this is all fate. Like, this is all intertwined. That's cool. Yeah, it's kind of weird how life kind of works that way. I always was really appreciative, though, because we were in such a good spot. We were, we were like, kind of near we're you know technically i don't even know what district we're considered it's like shingwan soho central is all right there and it's like where it's a very desirable place to be i feel really fortunate anytime i would tell people like that's where i live they'd be like oh my god like that's awesome and i'm like yeah but if i wasn't here with my girlfriend believe me we wouldn't be renting this apartment because we would have no money left (laughs) Uh, I'll just I'll just say this just because I found it interesting and I found it out, um, but we did the math and the conversion rate of how much that apartment would cost in a year is roughly around seventy thousand dollars USD for a one bedroom. That's like they called it one thousand square feet, but there I would say it's between six and seven hundred. Yeah, maybe, maybe with the balcony. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But we had a we had a dope balcony just because like every building above us is like further up the mountain is much higher than us and in the front of us it's higher than us but where our balcony was where where it overlooked like Hollywood Road and Square Street all the buildings were shorter than us so it was like we were kind of out on our own island like nobody we could have we didn't do we didn't do this but we could have had the music and parties out of the balcony and nobody would complain whereas like in other apartment complexes or other places people are so close to you like you could never get away with that yeah i it it felt private it felt private even though you're surrounded by buildings which is pretty rare the only time that I feel like people were paying attention at all was when um, people on some of the lower rooftops, there's some of them where the angle is right, um, where people have been like, have, have seen us up there and have screamed and waved awkwardly. Yeah, it's a great, if you think people watching is fun, like out windows, sit on top of the balcony and you can see people like doing shit on top of the on on their roofs on top of their apartments or just i mean it's it's really trippy at first like when i moved there and we'd sit out there it was just like i look and you can just see in everybody's living room and it's just like at first it just this is weird but then after a while i don't even didn't even think about it didn't even think about people looking in ours didn't look in other people's it was just like it was just there yeah it was it's a great viewing location right below us um, under the balcony is Manmo Temple and it's a really famous temple. It's really highly visited, especially around Chinese New Year. It's traditional to go um, honor the Buddha at temples and you could just see people queuing up the streets in both directions, especially this year because people couldn't travel for Chinese New Year. So that was really interesting. And then during the protest, there was multiple times where we were literally watching things happen live. We would see the protesters running up the stairs and then, you know, trying to disperse in whatever angle. And then 30 seconds later, there would be a swarm of police just chasing after them and, you know, um, tear gas and everything else. It's it was interesting. 
Yeah, definitely. That didn't happen too often, thankfully, but we did get we did get to see that a few times. I'm definitely gonna miss like the the amount of walking too. I know like we're gonna be living in another city, so and we're gonna have dogs, so we're gonna be walking a lot still. But like, I know my legs aren't gonna be as strong as they are right now just from going up and down hills every single day. And it was like when I would leave for work every day, it was nearly a, a mile walk, and it's like it's going down on the way there, so it's not bad. But on the way home, it didn't matter if it was summer, winter, fall, or spring. On my way home, going back uphill, I'm going to start to sweat my ass off. <laughs> I think that's one thing that I won't miss is having like nine months out of the year being like a thousand percent humidity and just unbearingly hot. Just the hottest, like uh, especially the first the first year that I was there. Um the pollution was the worst as well. Uh it took me a while to adjust, like to be able to breathe normally. I felt like I was dying. And I was like, Wow, am I really this out of shape? And maybe it, I'm just not used to doing that many stairs, but also the air quality was not good. COVID's probably one of the best things that ever happened as far as and that. That's probably why the locals walk so damn slow all the time. <laughs> They're like, Yeah, these crazy white people walk way too fast. I literally, when I would go to work, um, like, in May, June, July last year before I went home for the summer, I would have to take a whole other set of clothes because either I'd be so sweaty that I'd need to change or I'd be so sweaty and the, it would just, like, instantly downpour rain, like, mad rain. And I'd be soaking wet, have to leave my shoes out to dry, and it was just like, oh, I'm not going to miss that. Yeah. Always, always sweating, and then you go into a building, and it's twenty to twenty degrees Fahrenheit in there, and it's like you're sweaty, and now you're shivering because it's so fucking cold. Yeah, it'd be the best. You'd see people. It's like six, sixty, seventy degrees out. Probably more around seventy degrees out, and people would be in like full blown Canada goose parkas, and be like, what is wrong with you? I always laugh because of the people. I had multiple people try to tell me like, oh, the winter time it's really cold, like. It's different than, like, in North America, like, Canada or where you're from. Like, it's so humid here. So when it's when it's 15 degrees Celsius and it's, like, whatever humidity, it's really, really cold. I'm like, give me a fucking break. Go when it's negative 15 with a wind chill of, like, negative 30, negative 40 Fahrenheit and tell me how you like that. That's cold. That will kill you in, like, minutes. <laughs> so I always, I always thought that was comical. I was like, you have, you just don't have a very good understanding of how cold like a true like canadian winter would be uh in comparison all right uh i think the last question is is a good one to kind of finish on uh what's something that somebody asked what's something that you're looking forward to doing once back in the states i'm looking forward to freedom i think freedom is kind of high up on the list um <laughs> I'm I'm actually really serious though. There's uh freedom appreciated people. Uh what else am I I'm looking forward to road trips. I'm looking forward to having basically like multiple countries within a country. We are so blessed in the States to kind of have all these different little pockets of culture in all of the different states so we're looking forward to just kind of exploring places that we haven't been maybe places that i've been that you haven't been and then um we also we have so many friends kind of scattered 
across the country in different places so all the more reason to just kind of travel yeah we like to travel so we'll visit people but uh no more excuses for people not being able to visit us huh (laughs) that'll be great (laughs) i mean agreed (laughs) covid covid helped it's it's a long flight here but i i will say that um my parents and my aunt came out and i was very worried for them i feel like they are so so i I, they're, they're they're i don't know i just i i don't didn't think they had enough experience in long haul flights and they could not have had a better time like on the flights they were like it was great the seats were bigger i could stretch out they gave us free alcohol and snacks the whole time they had all the best movies i got to watch like all these new movies that just came out they just had a ball even on the long haul flights which i agree international flights are a million times better than domestic flights so i would not be scared to go somewhere just because you're worried about being uncomfortable on the flight because generally it's so much so much nicer and honestly it's a really nice to travel during covid because the it's so sparse on the airplanes you are almost guaranteed you're going to get a row to yourself and you can just make a bed and lay down yeah right now is my favorite time to fly the airports are empty which kind of sucks because nothing's open but the amount of space on the plane like I've had to sit I've had to sit economy with two strangers in my row before and it was misery for 16 hours on the plane trying to sleep whereas now it's like oh I'm going to be able to lay down and have three pillows and three blankets and and probably sleep most of this next this next leg which is amazing um I'm looking forward to a lot of things so when we get back number 1 obviously seeing family and friends uh number 2 obviously uh having my dog but some of the things I'm looking forward to it's like seeing concerts start to kind of reopen being able to go to uh see live music again we already have tickets bought for uh machine gun kelly in detroit uh we want to go see some comedians that we've been watching from afar for a while now and you've country you've wanted to see we want to go to nashville see some country music uh i mean live sporting events now that i'm a i've really gotten into ufc the last couple of years i really really want to go to a a live UFC event in the f- in the near future, and then also just like being like that, we're going to be living on the East Coast. It's going to be really fun to go to some of these East Coast cities that I've never been to, like Boston, Philly, New York City. We're going to be closer to like North Carolina. Um, I'm just really excited to kind of explore those cities and maybe go to some places that I've always wanted to. But like when when you move across the world, it's like you kind of forget that those were all on your list but now that we're going back it's kind of like oh i'm getting really excited because i know we're actually like we're not going to be stuck in one spot we can actually travel and go places and and still see new places because america is so big so are you gonna sing the national anthem now or (laughs) no no i uh i think kind of wrapping up wrapping up is just um i'm really thankful for the experience in Hong Kong. And I was telling you this last night before we left, just how thankful I was for you to kind of take me in, you know, just on a whim, like we had been talking. Just an unemployed man living with his parents. Yeah. Just taking him when yeah. the orphan he was. Yeah. It kind of it was a big moment for both of us, like, we kind of started talking right, but like shortly before you left to move there. And we were just kind of like, ah, we'll just kind of, 
stay in touch and we didn't have huge expectations and we just continued to talk and after I visited you a few times it was like okay like I'd be willing to try this would you be willing to try this and I mean here we are so I'm really thankful to you for that very thankful I'm also um more so than the food and drinks and all the cool experiences we got to have I think the thing that I'll miss the most is the people for sure uh, some of the friends that we made there in Hong Kong are f- friends that are going, uh, friendships that are going to last forever. And I know that's something that we both kind of strive to, to have when we go places is just make meaningful connections with people and, and kind of let down some of our vulnerabilities and let them be vulnerable to us and, and create a, create a true friendship that is, is built upon trust and, and love for one another and just respect for one another and it would be a miss for me to not mention all of the great friends that that we made in Hong Kong and I mentioned I mentioned a lot of them on here uh like James and Diana I mention them all the time those are amazing people uh Anna from our friend from Sweden she's a sweetheart she was kind of like our Hong Kong mom. Not, I wouldn't say mom because she's w- way cooler than, <laughs> way cooler sister. than mom. Yes, a cool older, older sister. sister like that would, that yes, would that's a great, that's a great reference. Yeah, yeah. yeah Anna, um, Alan, our friend from Croatia. Uh, he he became we we kind of met him. I'm kind of saying we kind of met him later. Like kind of. Yeah, we all have a lot of the same interests, and I feel like Croatia in a weird ways very similar to the states yeah like, i don't know just perspective and ways of living and yeah he loves meat and potatoes he would love the midwest i'm trying to yeah. talk him into coming to u of m for his masters so uh alan if you're listening uh it'd be a great place for you to go uh we also a few other i think something that i really enjoyed just like it wasn't on purpose but like james being a chef we got to go to a lot of restaurants meet a lot of chefs that that was really cool. We got to become friends with James's friend Corey, who's also a chef and he's a goofball. Uh yeah. and really enjoyed getting to know him and and making fun of James and teaming up on him and <laughs> giving giving James a hard time, humbling him a little bit. And it was just cool hearing about that lifestyle and I don't know, just that field of work and and just all the the peaks and valleys and the shit they go through but also the cool things that they get to do as well just cool yeah they have a, a ex- life experiences that i can't even imagine what it'd be like you know to do those kind of things but all great people lex and george those were fun people to meet as well lex wants really really wants to be on the podcast at some point he's a vulgar goofball who loves music and just we fit in perfect with with people like that just kind of I felt like we were our whole group was just kind of like not misfits but we were just all kind of misfits a little in in our own in our own kind of ways and it always it just always worked perfectly so shout out to those people for sure and there's many more people that I came across that I played basketball with a lot and and became became friends with I've met people (laughs) Like Dante, who was from Detroit and went to college, or he went to high school with one of my 
best friends from college now. They went to the same high school. Like, they graduated a year apart or two years apart, so they knew each other. That was really cool. I met a kid from Midland, Michigan, like, two weeks, a week before we were about to leave. I was like, what? This is crazy. It's such a big world, but um, I can feel really small at times. Uh, so it's just the the people the people that we came across um, and how much they accepted us with open arms is something that I'll, I'll, I'll always be grateful for. And, and I can't say thank you enough to those people that, that made our time in Hong Kong as amazing as it was. So with that being said, uh, thank you guys for listening. If you have any more questions, feel free after listening. If you have something that pops in your mind you want to know more about or uh, you have some interest in, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, give us a follow on Instagram at Two Familiar Strangers. Uh, hopefully now once we get back to the United States, Austin, I will be on this in the same time zone. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna travel to Michigan very soon, so we're gonna actually do a face-to-face conversation like this, which is gonna be amazing. I can't wait. Uh, so keep listening. We have some fun ideas still that we haven't even haven't even hit and haven't talked about. And as the locals say, bye bye. <laughs> bye guys. <laughs>